You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. All right, children, you are excused to go to Children's Church. Boy, I scared one while ago. She thought she'd run into bread, and she looked up, and it was me. And she said, "Whoa!" But she—he was being mean to her while I go. She said, "Papa, Papa, no, nah, I ain't gonna get you." Mean, mean. All right, y'all ready? How big is your God? What can he not do? (laughs) What can he not do? That's a negative. There's nothing that he can't do, but he can do anything. And he can get you right, man. I tell you, I had a little talk with him this morning, and it made me feel good. We got a beautiful time in front of us this year. Going to be some great times. We're finishing up this series on experiencing God, and we're going to be looking at the very last thing is, is once we've been invited and once we've made, gone through the crisis of belief and once we uh, get into joining with Him and making those adjustments, then we get to experience Him, okay? So go with me to the book of Luke chapter 5. I'm going to give you a little story here that Jesus uh, worked where some individuals actually experienced a change in their life because of their obedience. And folks, that's what it's all about. <clears throat> if, if God and Jesus are just some name that you heard or some individual that's out there that, that, that you're just not unsure about, then he, you're not walking with Him. You're not where you need to be. Folks, He wants to be right in the midst of your life. And He wants you to know Him and watch Him carry you through these situations carry him through you, all the things around you, and then to take you further than you've ever been before. And that's what makes it exciting. When you begin to join with him and watch him and you see where he's done. Uh, when I woke up early this morning, I began to think about that movie last night and, and feel and what God had done in his life. And then I began to reflect back on what, what he'd done in my life. And it was, uh, I just looked back on the time and, and all the years and everything going on. And it's just amazing that God would reach out to me and touch me and then invite me to be a part of so much. And so I rejoiced in it and it just really got me on fire. But right here we're going to read this and I'm going to pick out some of these. Verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of... Uh, which is the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Okay, this is up around the Capernaum area. That's where... uh, uh, Peter and si- uh, 
Andrew and John and them, they lived up in the Capernaum, which is the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, which were very beautiful. And if you were standing there looking out, you'd be looking southward down the, the Sea of Galilee, and to your right would be the Galilean area. And to the left would be the uh, <clears throat> eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and it begins to go down. It's very mountainous, very beautiful. Just down the road, about two miles, would be uh, where the tombs were, where the pigs ran off the bluff and all that. So it's a very beautiful area, very wonderful place. But it's a natural amphitheater. And so as the crowds were gathering around, Jesus was teaching. They kept pushing around Him. And so what was necessary for Him to reach all the crowds was to get out away from them a little bit. So He gets into the boat. And he gets Peter to push out a little bit so he can speak to them in this natural amphitheater around there and so that they could all hear his voice. But as God does so many times, he had a little more in store than just using the boat. <clears throat> because what Jesus was beginning to do was build that relationship with Peter. And notice now what they were doing as he was teaching the crowds right there beside them, they were washing their nets. Been fishing all night. Hadn't had a lot of luck. Talked to some of these fishermen. When they don't have much luck, they, they're not in the best mood, you know. Me, I'm used to not catching fish, so <laughs> it really doesn't bother me much. But those fishermen, if they don't catch something and they've worked all night, they're not really in that good a mood. And I'm sure... That was kind of going through their mind. They're halfway listening. They're hearing. They're washing the nets. They're frustrated because they don't have any fish to feed their family. Because, see, they had to fish at night to catch it so they could get it to the marketplace early in the morning so the people could come by it. <clears throat> so basically, what you could say is they blew a whole night's work and had nothing to show for it. No money, no fish, nothing. But they're there. And guess who's right there close to them? There's Jesus. Right when you think everything's going bad, you feel like the world's crashing down around you, and you're mad, there's Jesus right there beside you to lift you up. So he, he begins to enter into this relationship with them by personally involving himself in their life. Y'all going to help me. i got this frog still. So I'll swallow it down and get him on down a little bit. But he wants that relationship with them so that they can begin to understand and know him not as a preacher, but as a friend. As someone that's involved in their life. And folks, that's where you and I need to be every day. That's where the world needs to be. Not knowing Jesus as just a Savior. Not knowing God as the Creator. But knowing Him as our Heavenly Father and our Redeemer and having a personal relationship with Him. Because that's where He wants us. He wants to be involved in our lives, right in the middle of it, drawing close to us, to feel the pain, to be right there where we're at, and to help us up, and to lift our spirits. Because He's about to do something that's going to blow their minds. And I tell you, when, when you think that He's not there, not carrying you, you better watch out, because He's about to blow your mind if you'll listen to Him. But that's where they were. They were there. So they get out. Jesus is teaching the crowd. In verse 4 it says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. 
Man, another one of them preachers that thinks he knows what he's doing. I wish he'd leave me alone. I'm tired. I've worked all night. I want to go home and pout and sulk and get mad and try it again tonight. But no, Jesus said, no, son, we're fixing to do a little more today. The day's not over with. This is that invitation to get up and to go where you felt hopeless, where you felt lost and felt like nothing good was happening and you just wanted to get away. He said, no, let's go out one more time. They had a choice to make, didn't they? They could have said, no, Jesus, we're done. You used a boat. We'll bring it back in. You get out. We're going home. But what did Peter do? Okay. Now, he was reluctant, but okay. You see, he didn't really want to go, but there was something about what Jesus was saying that touched his heart. And, he, and for some reason, I don't really believe inside he could have said no. He may have wanted to. He may have struggled with it. He may have been angry even about it. But there was something about it that he knew he needed to respond to that. How do you know how he felt, preacher? Because I've been there. I've been there. And the only way I've been there is because he's done me the same way. And when he asks you to do something that you just think, I, I can't, is when you need to do exactly what he says. So they go. Get out there. Now, man, this is work. They've already fished this area all night long. But this is that invitation. Get out there and let down your net. Look at what Simon said uh, in verse 5. He said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I'll do as you say and let down the nets. You hear that frustration? You hear that sadness? You hear that discouragement? Master, we've, we've done this all night long. We know a little bit about fishing. They ain't there. But we're going to do what you say. It's like, just to appease you, we'll do it. See, sometimes God can't work with us until we get down in the dumps. And that was one thing that really was brought out in that movie last night with Phil Robertson. He had to get way down before he could ever look up. He had to get way down. And I'm going to say a lot of you have been way down before you could ever look up. I've been there. Tried, worked hard and, and stuff. And, and I was thinking about my life. Phil last night had trouble with alcohol. My deal was work. I was not addicted to alcohol, but I was addicted to work. I thought you ought to work 20 hours a day. Only 20 hours a day, seven days a week. Could you ever get ahead? I'd been doing that, and you know what? I was not ahead. I was behind. And I was getting frustrated. I was a young man, but I was getting tired because I just on and on and on trying to get that dream, get that thing that I thought I needed. And when I got low enough, I was finally able to look up and see what would really matter. And I had to respond to that. And that's exactly what Peter is doing. Verse 6, it says, And when they had done this, 
they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. Now, Fred, I'm going to come to you, Fred. Now, when you go to catching so many fish that your nets are breaking, are you sad or are you happy? That's a dumb question. Isn't it? <laughs> Back in the day when we used to connect down there, I've been a part of some of that. We'd put those barrel nets out. And I pulled them up, and some of y'all have too, shook out one old buffalo or an old carp or something. But boy, when you got hold of that thing and he said, hey, we need some help. There was excitement flowing around there. There was some yelling going on out there because when you pull that old barrel net up and it's full of fish, especially them old flathead alps and stuff. Oh man, it wasn't getting no better than that. That joy was coming. Well, here's Peter and Simon out there in their boat and they've got this net that's been empty all night long and they go to pulling it in and they can't. And this is another thing. It's got to be pretty bad before another fisherman's going to call for some help. But what do they do? They call out to the partners, James and John. Hey, Come on out here. Get some of this. We got to have some help. The blessing, folks, is in the experience of being obedient to Jesus Christ. That's where the blessing is. And when it begins to come upon you and the joy begins to happen because you're doing what he's called you to do and all of a sudden there's just this great joy coming on you because he's doing things that you never thought he could. He be, you begin to rejoice and be happy because He's doing something you hadn't seen. You've worked hard. It's been empty. And all of a sudden, in one cast of the net, they've got more than they can handle, filling up both the boats. Now, most folks would want to go back out tomorrow in that same little old spot. But Jesus has still got a greater plan because he said, y'all come follow me. In other words, quit fishing and come follow me. All right. He invited them to go out. He blessed them in their obedience. And now he's challenging them one more, t- one more time. Now quit what you've been doing and do this. Because the same reward is going to be there that you just experienced. Now, if Peter had told him no when he wanted to use his boat, it would have ended right there. If Peter had told him no when he said, let's go fishing, it would have ended right there. But because he was willing to make the adjustments in his life and do what God was calling him to do, the blessing came on him. Folks, the reason most Christians live a defeated life is because they've never responded to God's invitation. They've said no every time he's invited them to be a part of something. They've said, not me, not now, maybe later. And they've not experienced the blessing. The only way you're going to ever get to this point is by saying yes when he calls. You don't experience blessing by asking for blessing. You can't pray down a blessing, folks. I don't care what these name it, claim it preachers say. You don't call down a blessing. You get blessed when you say yes. Obedience is what brings about the blessing. They can say all you want. Put your money in the boot here and God will multiply it a thousand times. No, He won't. Not if you're giving it for that reason. He's not going to bless you if you're 
invest. It's almost like shooting craps on a crap table. I'm going to put $5 down and hope I win 20 He ain't going to bless you that way. He's going to bless when you put what you can in there and, and you do it out of obedience and love. And it's the same way with your day-to-day life. It's not a money issue. You want to be blessed by God, then you say yes every time He says go do something. That's when the blessing comes. Because a blessing is given out of obedience just like you bless your children. Folks, it's not any different from the way God works than we work. When our kids are good, we want to bless them. We want to give them something. But when they're obedient, then we give them what they need. Or we should. Apply it on the back end. If y'all notice, folks, in, in, in the back of, uh, of every one of us, there's no major organs down below the belt. <laughs> Nothing major that you can really hurt. You can hurt it, but it, it ain't going to cause no major damage. And that's why exactly why you're supposed to apply some discipline there. And that would help our school systems, that'd help our community, that'd help a lot of things. But God disciplines His children too. Now Caleb... Probably still got knots on the back of his head when he would just, we used to sit right there and he would sit in front of us and when him and Scott Hawk would go to acting up, <laughs> right on the back of that old hard head. He'd look around and say, behave. Shut up. Sit there and be nice. Couldn't reach the other end, but I could reach out up there on top. But it did him some good. Now he sits on the back so nobody can be behind him. Because <laughs> daddy still lava thump on that old head. But I'm going to run. That's nothing. But God disciplines, but he blesses. He blesses because you are obedient and you're growing. But every time God invites you somewhere, he's not going to take you to the same place. He's going to take you one step further. You see, to walk with God means I'm on a journey to a destination that I have yet to see. I know where it's at, but I haven't seen it yet. That place called heaven. And on that journey between here where I am today and where I'm going to go, I'm going to see a lot of other things. But I've got to take it step by step. And I've got to respond to that. Now that's the truth of the gospel all wrapped up. You experience God by being obedient to Him and the blessings begin to flow on you and your life changes. And when your life changes, it changes other people's lives. Folks, how many people have been changed by your life to a positive? Anybody? I hope it has. But you know what? If you get saved and you don't change and they don't see a difference in your life and it's you're not going to impact them. They're going to see you as the same person doing the same thing, except now you go to church. You see, when I was running around on Saturday night, and I, drinking and doing all those things you shouldn't have been doing, and somebody, oh man, it's 11.30, I better get home. Mama's going to want me to go to church with her tomorrow. Mm, I know where you've been all night. I know what you've been doing all night. 
But you know what? When God saved me and I started going to church, I thought, there's some things on Saturday night I don't need to be doing. Some things on Friday night I don't need to be doing. I need to be changing. I want to get up and I want to be awake. Now, folks, I used to work graveyard seven days out of the month. And I'd get up and I was bound and determined to go when I got home from work, go to church, go home and sleep a couple hours and go back on Sunday night for discipleship training. That got pretty hard. Finally, after about a year, I said, I'm going to cut one of them out. But I wanted to be at church because I was afraid I was going to miss something. Man, I was having a blast. And I was going around and talking to my friends and the people I'd been running with because I wanted to make a difference. And to my knowledge, to this day and time, there's no one that I've ever drank a beer with that I hadn't witnessed to. There's no one that I ever ran with that I have not shared the gospel with or that they know that there's been a difference in my life because I want them to know the truth. And the real blessing is, is when I see them get their life right. I had one of the roughest classes in Paul Pewitt. And now when we gather up, more than half of us talk about what God's doing in our life. In 48 years, but I'm pleased to hear that and see that and what God's done in our lives. And we rejoice and have a good time in that because we chose to experience the blessing where some others are still out there looking for a blessing and wondering why God doesn't bless them. Well, folks, if you're saying no, 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 God's going to say no, no, no. Don't be asking for a blessing. If you're not willing to do what I want, because you're here and I want you over here. And that's what it's all about. The blessings come as you go and you travel. Uh-huh. Give her to Brad now, Harley. Uh -huh. It's a good time for him to have her. That's that Brad. Uh-huh. She's been watching him anyway. I bet that's what he does every time Goldie gets on it. Um, but folks, the reason most Christians are defeated and empty is because they've said no. Now Peter and Andrew and James and John's life were transformed the moment they said yes. Now did he ever have to get on to them? Many times. It straightened them out. Had to help them. Had to point them in the right direction. Had to scold Peter right there at the end. Even after his death and burial and resurrection, he had to scold him for what he had done. You remember James and John when mom came and wanted them to be given his place on the right hand and the left hand? Mm -mm, you can't do that, mama. I like you boys, but you can't do that. That's not for me to give. But they had seen and watched and learned step by step. And every time they said yes, they saw something new. Every time they said no, it all stopped. And so as you're moving along on this journey, if you're going from here to Dallas, and you get to Sulphur Springs and you say, I'm stopping, well, you're never going to say... Boy, Dallas is a bad example. Who wants to know what's going on in Dallas? But, but 
you're not going to get to the journey because you start, chose to stop once somewhere along the way. But God wants you to go to Him and be like Him and to be with Him. And you have to do that by saying yes over and over and over. Time and time again as He carries you forth and you get to that point. They spent a lifetime saying yes and it led them to their death. John being the only one who did not die a martyr's death. Andrew died a martyr's death. Peter died a martyr's death. James died a martyr's death. But you know what? They were ready because they had said yes and they experienced it and therefore they were prepared for what came next. And they lived a joyful life. And they had great blessings there. And they were ready for whatever came next. And if you start saying yes from the beginning, it'll get to the point where there's no other answer but yes. And that's when it really starts getting good because then you start moving on and you're not having to make these major adjustments. Now think about this. Of course, go back to this. Their family was dependent on their fishing. They get this great catch. Family's going to do good, but who's going to fish for them tomorrow? Jesus said, I want you to leave this and follow me. Who's going to feed my family tomorrow? God would. So that was not only a choice of making to leave what they were doing, but to begin to let God feed their family and provide for them without them being there. I'm sure mama was not very happy when they came home. and said, hey baby, here's the money we got today. You live on this the rest of your life. I'm following Jesus. But you see, God was working in mama's life too. He was preparing her for that day. She may have been notified before Peter ever responded. In my wife's account, he told her two years before I surrendered to preach to get ready because she's going to be married to a preacher. <clears throat> and the joke was that I was going to die and she's going to marry a preacher. Because <laughs> she said, ain't no way Dwayne's going to be it. <laughs> well, guess what? She's married to me still and I'm a preacher. But he began to prepare her way before he began to prepare me. Because the day he really began to lay it on my heart, I said yes. And it changed her life as well as mine. Changed my kids' lives. Changed my grandkids' lives. Because I said yes. But you know what? We've been blessed. And hopefully, prayerfully, we're blessing others. But the only way you get there is by saying yes. Whenever he calls you, to go do what he needs you to do. It's not the calling is not preaching, folks. It's not being a, a elder or a deacon or any other kind of leadership. It's being who God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do where you're at every time He asks you. It's not I'm gonna have to go do this. He wants you to start right then and there. 
You see, it, it took several years before he called me to preach, but he was calling me to do mission work, outreach, witness, learn, study, do all those things that I'd never done before. And then he began to call me to preach. But that's when you, somebody said, man, I want to stop before I get to that preaching point. That's probably one out of a thousand Christians ever get called to preach. But 999 others still get the same obedience and blessings for doing what God's called them to do. Now on the flip side, let me tell you this. I know a man who was called to preach and has been miserable for 40 years. Been a strong Christian, knows his scriptures, but he's lived a pretty sad life. Why? He said no. He let what his eyes saw and what he didn't like interfere with saying yes to be that preacher. And you know what? I've encouraged him through the years to go ahead and go back and do that, but he's yet to do it. <clears throat> and partly I think it's because he's lost the calling because he already said no. And, and God's not speaking to him about it anymore. Now he knows the scriptures. He can quote way more than I can. He loves the Lord. But he's missed out on some things because God was calling him to preach and he said no. And that's the sad part, is when you start saying no, you're not only saying no to obedience, you're saying no to the blessings that come with it. And it affects negatively other people too. Because there's somebody you were supposed to reach with the gospel message. There's some blessing that was supposed to fall on somebody that you touched that you didn't. <clears throat> Those of us that watched that show last night, the reason it's called The Blind, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin the show for you, he's witnessing to one of his drinking buddies in a duck blind. And he, he's, the, this old buddy's asking him what made a difference in, in stuff in his life. And, and Phil tells him from the beginning all the way through his salvation of what God has done. And just lay, laying it out there, everything. Because this guy had been with him through a lot of it. was an encourager in a lot of it. And he did all that. And then at the end, after Phil gets through and he talks about how God saved him and he wouldn't be where he was if it hadn't been for God and the work he was doing, the friend looks at him and he said, I've been diagnosed with an aneurysm and they give me from two days to two years to live. The boy, the man got saved because of the difference Phil made in his life by Phil saying yes. And so this man had hope for him, himself, because of what he saw in Phil's life. What if Phil had not ever truly said yes? What if he had not lived the life that God gave him? What if he had stopped and said, I don't want? There's one that probably would have died and went to hell. How many people get saved through that? No telling. But you know the other thing? Bill Robertson spent a lifetime trying to make a living 
And before he got saved, he was broke. Lost everything he had just about. Wrecked his truck, had an old bar, everything. He was, he was living in a shack out in the bottoms. And look at him now. No telling what he's worth. No telling what his kids are worth. He was striving to get and do what he could do and would go back to the bottoms and hunting to try to make a living and provide for his family. When now that lifestyle is providing because he's made millions and millions of dollars with duck calls and various things that he's done and all that. You think the blessings would have come if he'd ever said no? It's in all of our lives. We may not ever be worth millions of dollars, but we'll impact somebody if we'll say yes. If some of us hadn't said yes 20 years ago, this place wouldn't be here. But we said yes. And it began with me coming back to Omaha. And I'm saying no, no, no. And God's saying yes, yes, yes. And he's pushing. And I said, okay, we'll do it. I was reluctant, just like Peter. Man, God, I've been there. That's a dry hole. <clears throat> but I'll go. And look. Look what we've built. What, where, how many lives we've made a difference in. And it began by us meeting out here under a bunch of trees with a campfire on Sunday night doing Bible studies. That's where it began. Right out there, the end of that youth building, sitting on the side of that hill, doing Bible studies with just a handful of people coming out there and sitting around a fire doing a Bible study. Then this building was built and on and on and on. Now there's a, a huge lighthouse in this community because some people right here said yes. The question is, will you say yes from this day forward? Will you tell God yes or will you tell Him no? If you tell Him no, just quit asking for the blessings. I'm telling you, just quit. Because He's not going to bless. He may keep you. He may provide you. I'm not going to tell you He's going to leave you destitute. But the real blessings are going to come when you say yes. And that's when He's going to provide for you and you're going to see things. You remember the woman at the well when He told His disciples? <clears throat> they asked Him about eating and stuff, he said, I'm full. I don't eat any bread because what I've got just gotten was enough for me with that one woman who he reached with the message that God loved her. That filled him right then and there. All right, won't you stand up? Get some blood going in the bottom of your feet. Kids are going out to play. Y'all take your hats off. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to do something. And I want you to be sincere when you do this. I want you to ask God if He'll ask you to do something this week. Something just out of your reach. Or just what say, ask him to do it in February. 
not just this week, let's, put, let's give it a whole month. Father, we need you to ask each one of us in this month that wants it, that desires it. We need you to ask us to do one thing in the month of February that carries us one step further than what we've been. We want to experience that blessing. Every one of us is somewhere on our journey. We're not on the same path. We're not in the same place. But wherever we're at, Father, we're going to ask you that you'll reach out and take us one step further than we are today. And for those that want it and are willing, I pray that they tell you yes right now. Before you've ever asked it, that you, they'll go ahead and commit to saying yes to whatever that is. By faith, they're going to say yes, knowing that what you're going to ask them is capable through you, not through them, but through you and their faith and their walk with you. Because they want to experience a little more about you and grow a little deeper in this walk with you. For those who are not ready to say yes, Father, I pray that you show them that you can be trusted. If they trust you with eternal life, why can't they trust you in daily life? So teach them and bring them to that point. But I pray, Father, that each one of us are face to face with a decision this next month where we can choose you to follow you. And then we're going to honor that commitment because if they say yes today, then whenever that time comes, they will be reminded of that, that they've already said, I'll do it. And then step out because then the true blessing of obedience is going to come upon them. And they too are going to experience something way beyond what they've been doing. Because Father, we've got to get there if we're going to ever reach this community. We can't have a spiritual awakening because you want it. We're going to have it because we want it. And we're willing to be a part of it. You want it. We know that. You desire it. And you're, you're waiting on us to catch up with you. So Father, I pray that it will begin here today as we say yes to you. And for those who are responding to you right now, Hear them, remind them, encourage them, and show them. For those who are not quite ready, begin to nurture that faith, nurture that desire to be all that they can be in you. Show them that you can be trusted and that you have got only the best in store for them. And make them willing to learn that. Because here we are, Father, in the midst of a lost and dying world with no hope except Jesus Christ. Because without Him, there is no, <clears throat> no salvation. There's no redemption. There's no solving the problems of the world. Because the answer is Jesus Christ and Him alone. And the world needs Him and they need people that will stand up and be bold in that testimony. And we pray you'll begin here in our community today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
you remind yourself this week that you said yes. Y'all go out and have a blessed week. Pray for the... We thank you for listening to Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We are located on Highway 259 just south of the four-way in Omaha. You may also find us on Facebook or the web at barnonecowboyministries.com, a place where we don't care about your past but care about your future.